1: Hi,
2: I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as someone who has never needed to use a filter, which is good because I don't have one, but in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Sarah Fryer, a technology reporter at Bloomberg. She's also the author of a new book called No Filter, The Inside Story of Instagram. The book is about Instagram, the company, and all its ups and downs with Facebook, which bought it for a billion dollars back in 2012. But it's also about the ways Instagram has changed the way we shop, eat, travel, and communicate. We're recording this in late February, but No Filter comes out April 14th. Sarah, welcome to Rico Decode. Thanks for having me. So you've been covering technology for not too long, but talk about how you got to this book.
3: Not too long by Kara's standards. Yeah, that's but, true. I'm old. That's but, true. Um, but I've been covering I've been covering social media since um, since around Facebook's IPO. I moved here in 2013 to mm-hmm. move here to San Francisco to make that my main beat, mm-hmm. and since then have been able to dive deep into Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. And what really led to this book is I realized that we we as as journalists haven't really known the story of Instagram or haven't gotten to dig as much into that company and when I started doing so I noticed that there was so much that hadn't been said, so many people that hadn't been hadn't ever talked to a journalist before Mm -hmm. and that it was really an opportunity to write a book about it.
2: First of all, Instagram has become really a phenomenon. It was bought at a very early stage in its history. Um, I wrote a profile of of Kevin a long time ago um, for Vanity Fair, I think. Um, And one of the things was like eight people, if I recall. It was just eight people. They they worked actually nearby here um, and struggled for the first time. But they were a very short time in life as a startup. So talk a little bit about the background of the company. Well, the company was really born
3: out of Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger having this desire to— The two founders. The two founders to marry art and technology and mm-hmm. build something that that was not as, as maybe technical as the other products going on, but solved a very simple problem, which is that people had these new phones in their pockets. The iPhone uh, was just starting to become mainstream. And all of the camera equipment on the phones made really blurry, bad pictures and— what the filters could do is is make that content more shareable, beautiful, and really provide a, a window into people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so it was such a simple product, and it caught on so quickly mm-hmm. that they really didn't have a lot of time to think about anything, hiring, uh, fixing those problems. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, when they got acquired, even though they had tens of millions of registered users they didn't actually know how many of them were coming on a daily basis they right. didn't they weren't building their their business model yet it was a very young company and you know facebook provided an opportunity for them to not have to worry about those things. Right, the,
2: the, the details. Now, one of the things people don't realize is they were, Mike and um, and Kevin were put together by a venture cap, right? They they went on kind of entrepreneur dates, essentially. Um, Mike was the technical person, and Kevin was the more creative person who I think was the CEO at the, t- at the time that it got bought. But that he had worked at a number of companies, Kevin, I think it was Google, it was a Yeah, bunch.
3: Kevin had an opportunity to work at Facebook in the very early days, and mm-hmm. he turned it down because he wanted to get uh, the opportunity to kind of see what it was like to work at a successful company and did Google. He he worked for Odeo, which later became Twitter. Mm-hmm. He really became immersed in in the tech community, but didn't really know how to code until mm-hmm. much later uh, he had dabbled in projects but he was never cons- he never considered himself an engineer right. and he met Mike Krieger through this entrepreneurship program at Stanford called the Mayfield Fellowship mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people that that you may know of have gone through um, the conclusion of that was you know they knew of each other but they didn't actually become co-founders until a mutual friend was like, well, I I don't want to found this company with you, but maybe you should reach out to Mikey. Mm-hmm. And Mikey was looking for for that kind of opportunity and he is a much more technical person and, mm-hmm. and really has the ability to to learn on the job to fix the fact that Instagram kept going down because right. people were just piling on and using it so
2: much. And, and it was more actually one of the expected. first people who was using it. Was Jack Dorsey uh, was was an early fan of it, and of course he would be. He's very similar to Kevin in, in their sort of um, artistic bent. They're much more product focused. They're much more um, uh, they're more alike than different. And so Jack immediately glommed onto it, which is interesting because. Twitter didn't have any of these kind of features, really. It, well, wasn't, it wasn't an easy place to use photos or things like that.
3: And was Jack was, was actually an angel investor in Instagram, and he was mm-hmm. very flattered by the opportunity. When mm-hmm. Kevin came to him, you know, Jack is his old buddy from
2: doing Odeo, mm-hmm. which was a, podca- so a know, podcast Odeo company. Just for those who don't know, Odeo was a podcasting before Twitter, and they changed uh, into Twitter, essentially, because Odeo didn't work. But Jack
3: had been ousted from Twitter at that point. But he had a lot of money from that good idea. And Kevin was the first person who ever asked him to be an angel investor. And Jack was all in. As you said, he's a very artistic person. He loves this kind of of creative opportunity. He loves photography. And he was really the person that led to Instagram's early success by creating buzz around it. You could call him the first Instagram influencer. Mm -hmm. He got so many people to... To download the product early on, and Instagram was not the only company that was trying no, this. So talk about the others. Sharing. There's lots of other
2: people. There Hip-Somatic, first of all, first of all, before Hipstamic, but before that, there was uh, Picasa. There was which Google bought. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a whole bunch. Flickr, which Yahoo bought. Um, there was a whole photo. What uh, uh, was the other one? There were so many of them, um, but there were there were a lot of them. So talk about how that moved to this kind of Instagram version, because Instagram was built around the iPhone, obviously.
3: Well, it was really about the simplicity. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of those other options for photo sharing—you know, Camera Plus is another one of them. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Path it had a lot of a lot of options for for what you could put into your filters. It, a lot of them looked a little bit campy. Kevin was an actual photographer, and mm-hmm. and he really had an appreciation for what would make a picture look better. Mm-hmm. He designed these filters himself in Photoshop, and brought that artistic approach to. The building of the filters for Instagram, and so when when people used it, instead of making it look like they were trying to do like a nineteen seventies, you know, smoky photo that that was very obviously altered, Instagrams were a little bit more more like a, a photographer like would do took, if you were trying to you took a beautiful picture, right? Like it made you feel like like a professional. And the other thing that Instagram did is it didn't try to reinvent the wheel around building a network. Mm -hmm. Instagram piggybacked off the existing networks of Twitter, of Facebook, of Foursquare, of all these other places that you could share your Instagram photos to. And that served as marketing back to Instagram. And so Jack is a great example. He already had millions of followers on Twitter, of course, being the founder. And whenever he would share his Instagram photos there, people would see that and then say, "Oh." I want want my photos to look that good, and they would start using Instagram.
2: All right. So they had this nice little startup, and they had some money, um, and they were about to get another round of funding, and Facebook shows up. Facebook shows up
3: and really beats Twitter. So Twitter had been trying. They They, had. They tried multiple times to acquire Instagram, and, and just couldn't make it work with... Well, they were close. They thought they were they close. They thought they were close. But right. Kevin was never wooed by that idea because Twitter didn't really know what they wanted to do with Instagram once they got it inside. Mm-hmm. They ju- they wanted to own it, but they didn't. they didn't really give Kevin the opportunity to maintain independence, to be a founder. They didn't even know really that he wanted that. They offered mm-hmm. him, for example, head of product at Twitter in addition to running Instagram. And that kind of thing didn't appeal as much as what Zuckerberg pitch to Kevin and Mike, which is like, you guys can have your own company within Facebook. I'll respect you as founders. I'll let you have independence. I'll let you have control. And I'll let you have your vision. Mm-hmm. And basically, you can envision yourselves being as big as, as Facebook one day, maybe.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which he didn't like, and which he, we'll get to that. In, in the end, he didn't like. So, so, so they, but there was, there was a back and forth, and he was also getting. They were also looking for funding at the time, and actually were completing mm-hmm. some rounds. I think it was it was Sequoia. Sequoia, right? And they did end up completing that round, right?
3: But you know, right as they were signing the check, Kevin was going down to Zuckerberg's house in Palo Alto and in mm-hmm. ironing out the the biggest ever deal for a mobile app so right. far, right?
2: Which was a billion, a billion, dollars, dollars. which now
3: seems cheap, which really set off this boom in valuations for technology startups Mm -hmm. and in which Mark actually was worried about. Mm -hmm. He was worried that if he paid that much for Instagram, Mm -hmm. then he would start this overvaluation of of tech startups. Mm -hmm. But what he understood is that you know, everything was kind of up in the air. Facebook hadn't even gone public yet. $1 billion for Instagram seemed fair because it accounted for 1% of Facebook's private company valuation at that Mm -hmm. time. And to him, it was like you can see the network effects with this thing. Mm -hmm. They're small, but the way they are growing is faster than their competitors. Their trajectory is to be very big and potentially
2: very threatening to Facebook. Right. Right. And so that was what would some people call that is the killer acquisition in order to like... What, what's interesting is they tried to do the similar thing with Snapchat before that, right? Snap, their, his attempt to buy Snapchat. Was it before well, it was or after? after. It was after. It was after. But he, this was a, a thing was we are not going to be able to innovate here, which was a, which I want to know why they can't I want, from you. And then let's just buy it and like put not worry about that, not worry about it.
3: Well, it's not that they gave up on trying to innovate in that mm-hmm. area. In fact, Mark is so paranoid about the potential for Facebook to be out-innovated or out-competed that he's trying multiple things at once. Mm-hmm. He's he's buying Instagram. as he's buying Instagram. Facebook is building up its own Facebook camera team and mm-hmm. launching a competing product, mm-hmm. just in case the acquisition doesn't go through. He's thinking about other founders he can start to acquire uh, because the Instagram acquisition looks like a good idea. Everyone thought he was crazy, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it looks like the smartest acquisition in technology. At the time, everyone was saying, what? A billion dollars for an app with only 13 people working for it and no
2: revenue to speak
3: of. Why did
2: Kevin pick Facebook over Twitter? You would think he would get along because he he got that autonomy. That's what he went there for. This is why he left, too. So he he went for the autonomy. Well, he went for the autonomy, and a billion dollars is
3: a lot of money. It's a a ticket out of the stress, right, Mm -hmm. because because that— A billion dollars really feels like success in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And what Instagram was going through at that time, they either had to take that money or hire like 80 people. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for Kevin and Mike to hire because they just had these very exacting standards about what qualified somebody to be an employee of Instagram. They had to be super enthusiastic. They had to be creative and artsy. And it it was kind of different than you would see at a a Google or another startup where you – It's all about, like, did you go in an Ivy League school? Did you have good engineering chops? They wanted to hire people who were like them, who were Mm -hmm. creatives and a little quirky and had interesting interests, like the kind of people that they wanted to use Instagram.
2: Well, now it looks on their side, it was the worst trade ever because, you know, what—now, I know the arguments from Facebook, it wouldn't have gotten this big without it. I think it would have just fine. I think what it was doing was great, and they would have figured this all out by themselves. And you can look at the history of Silicon Valley, YouTube— uh, which eventually did get bought, but um, there's all kinds of companies that sold, like YouTube and Instagram, and then they're and now are enormous. And then there's companies who didn't sell, like Facebook had the opportunity to sell to Yahoo, to Google, because all all kinds of places that made the right decision not to sell. Um, you could have seen there's lots of companies like that.
3: I mean, it Google depends. Also it depends on how you define success, right? right? Because by selling to Facebook, I think the biggest benefit Instagram got out of it is is that we haven't really, as a public, given them a reckoning the way we have for every other social media company, for every Mm -hmm. other large tech company, the responsibility has really fallen on Facebook to fix Instagram and testify in front of Congress and all Mm -hmm. of those things. And so, in a way, it's a little bit more relaxing when you sell your company to somebody else. At the same time, the perception of you know the perception that the founders had about how it would work at Facebook versus the reality, mm-hmm. and this is an issue for everyone who gets acquired. It was it was dramatically harder for them to to really get that kind of respect and the independence within Facebook that they wanted Instagram to have.
2: Kevin and ironically wa- Kevin it's the wanted to be growth engine for right. Facebook. Yeah.
3: Well, Kevin wanted to be um, thought of as a as a visionary as somebody who was a. CEO in his own right, mm-hmm. and eventually he did get the CEO title at Facebook, which they don't do anymore, mm-hmm. and he, yeah, he really he really advocated for Instagram to get its own place in mm-hmm. a Physical different person. kind of
2: culture right? Uh, and a different kind of brand. So he wanted to sell without selling. Yes. Sell without selling. Right, not selling. So we'll get that, and when we get back, talking about what happened to it. But initially, when it was done, uh, Instagram was not seen as what it would later become. And the relationship would turn south rather quickly, from what I understand. And we'll talk about that and more when we get back. We're here with Sarah Fryer from Bloomberg. She's the author of No Filter, the inside story of Instagram. We're going to take a quick break. Now we'll be back after this.
1: Support for Decoder comes from Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform you can use to build a website and help people find your ventures. Whether you're seeking a location for your podcast, teaching language courses, or selling handcrafted ceramics, Squarespace has all the tools you need to create a home on the web. You can create a polished professional place that connects people with whatever it is you're excited about. Squarespace also supports all forms of connecting with those people whether you're selling products online or in person or offering memberships. You can make your website look exactly how you want. They even have tools to help you create a custom logo, and they make it easy to create a place for people to schedule an appointment with you, browse your services, or learn more about why you do what you do. Visit squarespace.com decoder for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use offer code decoder to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for this podcast
0: comes from Hims. It can be a challenge for men to speak up about their health, and oftentimes, that's rooted in the fear of being vulnerable. But there are just some things we'd rather keep to ourselves. HIMSS knows how you feel, which is why they are looking to provide you with the help you need, discreetly. Introducing Hims, a men's healthcare product looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms and no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hims.com slash decoder. That's H-I-M-S dot slash decoder for your personalized treatment options. hims.com slash decoder. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hims.com slash verge for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan.
2: We're here with Sarah Fryer from Bloomberg because he's author of No Filter, which is about Instagram. So I, I just interviewed Stephen Levy about his inside Facebook uh, story, um, and, and one of the arguments I had with him was about access. I thought he, had, he frittered away his access that he had. How much access did you have to the people there? Then You were saying you talked to people who would never talk to journalists.
3: The vast majority of the people I talked to for this book <laughs> did not have authorization to talk to me. Okay, good. Um, the, check <laughs> the the company did participate to an extent mm-hmm. i got to talk to a couple dozen people who at were facebook. who were at instagram and facebook but mostly on the instagram side mm-hmm. and i did not get to talk to Mark for this book, he was not interested. I asked many times; mm-hmm. um, he was not interested in talking to me. Um, Sheryl Sandberg was not interested in participating in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, the CTO of Facebook was n- nobody on the executive level on the Facebook side was at all interested in participating. And, and I think that the tension at the end of this story is is really
2: indicative as to why. Mm-hmm. So start to talk about that. So they get there, they get there, and they were like, "Okay, we're part of this big company." And I know Kevin. I, was, I remember visiting there. They tried to have like their whiskey area. They tried to be different. Mm-hmm. Within that giant Facebook campus, um, but they tried to differentiate themselves, and eventually, I think they moved to a different area. And was, that was his hope. He used to talk about our own building, our own area. And as it grew, it certainly deserved that because it was it started to become this the fastest growing part of Facebook and sort of competing with the big blue app, which is what they call Facebook internally. So right. Talk just, about how those tensions started. Uh,
3: so they really started the minute Instagram walked into the door at yeah. Facebook, and you know, it's this tiny team. You're right. They have their whiskey shelf. They have their quirkiness. They invite Facebook employees over for pour-over coffee because the free coffee at Facebook is not as high quality as the coffee they, yeah, and remember, they enjoy. Remember, Kevin
2: invested in coffee companies here. He was
3: an investor in Blue Bottle. Mm-hmm. You're right. But the, one of the very first things that happens when Instagram walks into Facebook is Facebook says, hold up before we let you grow. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's up to Facebook whether you grow now. Right. We need to see if you are the reason that people are sharing fewer photos Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Because it used to be that we all went to parties and we shared Mm -hmm. an entire album of pictures from that party on Facebook. And that behavior was was a little bit endangered. And they thought Instagram was why. Well, they ran a study. And Instagram is kind of in limbo at Facebook, Mm -hmm. uh, end of 2012. And they found it to be inconclusive. So they, okay, fine, you can grow. Um, But Facebook wanted them to grow the Facebook way with lots of notifications, with lots of data collection, with all these things. And Instagram was like, well, we don't want to be annoying. We don't want to (laughs) be the people who are in your inbox all the time telling you about your random acquaintance Mm -hmm. who posted something that you don't care about. Mm -hmm. We're a very different kind of network. So they really had to advocate for that. But eventually, Facebook had to say, well, you're being too precious Mm -hmm. because you have to grow. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the amount of users on Mm -hmm. Instagram, but you don't have a business model. And so really the first thing that happens is uh, Facebook says, you need to have ads that are able to purchase through our General ad buying, and they can't be any different than mm-hmm. Facebook ads. So, there's this whole struggle in the around 2014 2015 about that. And Zuckerberg is vindicated because once Instagram moves over to their advertising system, it's great. They have a billion dollars in revenue in Run Right in 2015, which is really crazy for how quickly they started. But eventually, Instagram comes into its own. Once they're making money, they have this uh, ability to advocate for themselves within the company. Mm -hmm. They start to do riskier things like, for example, doing stories to compete Mm -hmm. with Snapchat. Mm -hmm. It's wildly successful, and suddenly, just as Facebook is in the midst of crisis over the election results. Instagram is having its best year ever Mm -hmm. and starts to look like a threat to Facebook's future.
2: So how can it be? That's such an interesting thing because I found that really an unusual part. I think it went back even further. I think Mark was a jackass to Kevin right at the start. I think he was jealous of his creativity. It It would remind me of if Bill Gates bought Apple. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I had I had a source who, so who said that exactly. Jealous. So so such jealousy um, that Gates had, and and I think the reason was someone told me when it, not now because he's changed because of the philanthropy, but when Bill Gates died, he was going to be the richest man died today. You know what I mean? And when Steve Jobs died, uh, which he did uh, sadly, um, Steve Jobs, the most creative person in technology, who who broke barriers and did all this amazing innovation, died today. And Bill Gates hated that idea, hated the idea, and so it would remind, it would be as if it seemed like he was trying to submarine him all the time like or had some sort of jealousy cuz mark on is on the face of it is not a creative person he had, he just isn't he's he's very bill gatesian and kevin is more steve jobsian and i wouldn't yeah no no i mean
3: to... it, you're right I mean, that that's that's a really it's a really great analogy to help people understand the differences between how these two leaders think mm-hmm. like Zuckerberg is, is competitive in a very different way than Kevin is. Kevin's form of competition is to try and do his his personal best. He wants everything to be well-crafted yes. And, yes. and good taste yeah. and um, and artistic and creative and, and to mean something to people. Well, and, and Zuckerberg wants to be better than everyone else. Right, he well, wants to dominate.
2: Well, dominate, that word yeah. that he uses in in meetings, he used the word dominate. He loves Augustus Caesar. You just, the, the kind of choices he's making are, it's really interesting. One of the, one of the things that he tends to, and I heard this story of him talking to Kevin and a real, like we got you the we got you for cheap or something money is the way he like we got you we beat you money that kind and of, user growth user growth are the two things and then with Kevin it is a, it's interesting to use the word precious because it was just good like it was better. Like, that's not precious. It's just better made. And so um, it was a really interesting—to me, at the beginning, I thought, oh, no, these two aren't going to be—this guy is precious, but it's good because this stuff is good. Like, so you can be precious if that's the way. And, in fact, it's not just good. It actually is good, and it people like it, and it grows. Right. So it isn't just something that a small group and of Kevin people— And Kevin proves
3: his point. that right. This is really—like, you don't have to spam people with, with red dot notifications. You don't have to give them a million recommendations. Oh, my God. You don't that's have to give them a million recommendations. About who to follow. That is why I
2: don't use Facebook. I hate that fucking red. I Besides I always it's have a red dot even data
3: collection. if there's nothing for <laughs> it. I hope the Did you know that you're invited yeah. to an event 2 weeks from now? <laughs> no, I don't even look. I yeah.
2: I only use it just to see what it's doing, but
3: But but yeah, they proved that out. And it really flew in the face of what Facebook thought was was good because when Facebook looks at your activity, the way that they process it is very utilitarian. Mm-hmm. As long as you're using the product more, you must like it more. Right. Which is totally not right the case. No, they're marketing
2: to you, so you keep using so it. So
3: one tidbit in my book is like when Instagram builds the algorithm, the way that they tune the algorithm is to show you content that inspires you to post more yourself. Mm-hmm. That's very different than the way Facebook goals things, which is, to show you content that will get you to share and interact and spend more time on Facebook and get sucked in. Mm-hmm. It's more about, like, what are people going to be incentivized to do?
2: Right. And so so they had, that, that, that was a def, definite uh, back and forth. And one of the things I remember hearing Facebook people tell me at the time, I knew it was trouble, right? <laughs> it like, was like, we're the ones that made them big. I'm like, no, their great product made them big. Like, no, you're it you, you could have done fine at Google. It could have done fine. It's like the product matters. And they, they don't hate products, Facebook, but they really do. They don't really have any respect for actual products.
3: And to your point, one thing that I found fascinating about Instagram, after covering Facebook and Twitter, these companies who say, oh, we are just neutral platforms. We actually don't care what you post. We don't want to think about what makes for good content on Facebook or what makes for good content on on Twitter. That's kind of up to the user to decide... Instagram had an editorial opinion about mm-hmm. what good content was. Mm-hmm. And they advocated for it. And they made people into stars, and they curated it themselves on the at Instagram account, which by the way, is still the most popular Instagram account more than any Kardashian, more than mm-hmm. any soccer star. and And that was really it was really training their user base to use the product in a way right. that would be beneficial including for ads, the world. Including ads, which including ads. Including ads, yeah. My, my
2: kid is always like, Those are, I bought, he's bought, like, he, he keeps buying things off of Instagram. <laughs> and I, it's the only place he buys things, which I think is interesting because the ads really do appeal to him, which is interesting. And, I, and I'm always fascinated because he doesn't buy ads anywhere else on the Internet, which I found interesting. And I'm sure Facebook is a big part of that, but it's it's, a, it's got an Instagram style to it, which is interesting. All right, so the, the, the tensions are happening but things are growing. hes They stay there a long time. A lot of the founders, most of the founders of companies that Facebook bought have left, right? All of them. Mm-hmm. All of them, right? Oculus. Yeah. Pretty Oculus, much. Oculus, WhatsApp. WhatsApp, uh, Instagram. Kevin really wanted to stay there. i that, that was my impression. And Mike, the same thing. Talk about what happened. And then in our next section, we're going to talk about influencers and things like that. But what went wrong here, even though it was growing? Everything is up and to the right. Successful, beautiful product. You know, they did borrow stories, and Kevin. Actually, the reason I like Kevin, he said, "Yeah, I, I, I did." Right, I, I they shot. were honest
3: about it. Yeah. <laughs> and like we Zuckerberg don't that like, no, a lot from He was like, "Yeah, it
2: was a great idea," and I made it He had a yeah. radio, and I made a better radio. Like, thank you. Like that's what. Facebook you did. was horrified that they were going to say that. Right. Exactly. So, what happened to get them to leave?
3: There's this word that Facebook uses called cannibalization, mm-hmm. uh, which basically is if you look at Instagram's usage is this usage better served on Facebook? The way Facebook thinks about your time is you only have a certain amount of minutes in the day. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that you spend as many of those minutes on Facebook as possible. Mm -hmm. And if you're spending minutes on Instagram as a reason to not spend minutes on Facebook mm-hmm. that's a threat to the future of our business and when they say our business they mean Facebook the the core app which is still monetizing at a higher rate than mm-hmm. Instagram so he really felt like Facebook was under threat because of Instagram's rise more so than election interference more so than any of the content problems this is really what's running through Zuckerberg's head end of 2016 so he could early make less money on
2: Instagram and Instagram was more pop
3: well a user minute on Instagram wasn't as profitable as a user minute on Facebook. Yeah. So if you can decide whether to send somebody even though people like Instagram better, right? By it's, far. but it's not about your choice, Kara. It's about what Facebook can make you do. Right, okay. <laughs> which which is totally flies in the face of what Instagram thinks, which is like we should give people the opportunity to choose what their interests are. Yeah. We shouldn't try to manipulate their behavior in this way. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is they run this big study, mm-hmm. like is time spent on Instagram cannibalizing Facebook? And it's really this point in the story where you realize that the way that they think about Facebook the social network is very different than how they think about Facebook Inc. Mm-hmm. Like the best thing for Facebook Inc. Probably would have been to just let those people go to Instagram mm-hmm. and
2: and then make a better and financial then,
3: and, and actually Zuckerberg has said this. It, he said that as much in in his rhetoric to employees. Like if we don't disrupt ourselves, somebody will come yeah. and disrupt. Like, but they had an opportunity to disrupt themselves it's with so Instagram. So much bullshit, Sarah. I'm Sorry. <laughs> Right. but but they had an opportunity to disrupt themselves, quote unquote, mm-hmm. with Instagram, and they they didn't Zuckerberg didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And when the data came back showing that basically, you know there was a little bit of trade-off letting people use Instagram over Facebook, but overall, it was good for the overall company, that they read the data, Zuckerberg, who's like the the king of reading data to make mm-hmm. decisions, read it in an emotional. Emotionally charged way, mm-hmm. and decided that well, I think that this still, like what happens over the long term. Maybe eventually Facebook goes to zero, and all of these all of this activity goes to Instagram, and we just can't have that.
2: Mm-hmm. And so he stops it.
3: He manages out the founders, right? And he and he he cuts he does off, all kinds of things. He cuts. He does off all funding. Kind of things. He does. It's a it's death by a thousand cuts. He cuts off um, the the attribution for when you post a photo yes. on Instagram and it shares automatically to Facebook. Mm-hmm. Now, when people see that photo on Facebook, it doesn't say it came from it Instagram. it looks like it's a Facebook post. And it post. looks like an organic Facebook post. And Facebook's had trouble getting people to post organically on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's that. There's And the funniest thing is, like, when Instagram launches IGTV, Zuckerberg is... Is calling them piss because the logo looks too much like the Facebook Messenger logo. I mean it's mm-hmm. just petty thing after petty thing. Right. The worst thing that happens is when Instagram wants headcount, they get blocked. Right. And in that really at a time when they're seeing Facebook go through these, these struggles with how they've been policing their platform and how they've sort of they haven't been proactive about the problems before they happen. Instagram is thinking, well, we should really get ahead of these problems. We need people to look into this. And Facebook says, no, you're going to have to. Because they were
2: starting to get lots of, you know, sketchy things on Instagram.
3: Opioid sales, for Mm -hmm. example, um, cyberbullying, people recruiting for ISIS. They have everything. It's the Mm -hmm. internet. They have have it all. And on Instagram, it's much harder to find because it doesn't go viral. There's no resharing. And and so you really need to be proactive about looking for those communities that are hashtag-based on Instagram. And they wanted to they wanted to do it. And Facebook, specifically Zuckerberg said, no, if you want to do this stuff, you have to work with Facebook corporate, right. with our integrity team. Right?
2: They're always going to be right. the second priority. So it's a setup for what was to happen. When we get back, we're going to find out what happened. Kevin does end up leaving along with Mike. Um, and we're going to talk about why. And then I want to talk about the influencers, the other part of what you were talking about, which was how it's changed the way we uh, do all kinds of things. We're here with Sarah Fryer. She's the author of No Filter, the inside story of Instagram.
0: Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player.
3: No, not him. The sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? the most valuable business
1: making your money work harder that's how you business differently Intuit QuickBooks banking services provided by Green Dot Bank member FDIC only funds and envelopes are in APY APY can change at any time
2: we're here with Sarah Fryer she's a Bloomberg reporter I've known her for a very long time she's a very talented reporter but she's written this book uh, about Instagram we're going to talk about the impact of influencers and how things have changed but Kevin leaving wartime consigliere crap godfather thing that all weak men uh, go to when they don't know don't have words to use they use a godfather <laughs> analogy <laughs> i i think it's, it's just a w- movie man it's just a movie but it was a painful year
3: 2018 mm-hmm. because instagram is is coming into their own mm-hmm. they're reaching this incredible global impact with more than a billion users for the first time and facebook is, is a little bit resentful. Mm-hmm. Um, and even and Zuckerberg's even a little bit jealous mm-hmm. of this rise. And they basically tell Instagram, we have this list of all the ways that you are helping, we are helping you grow and we have been helping you grow. The, mm-hmm. We're letting you advertise on our, on mm-hmm. our site. We're letting you um, have links back. We're letting you use our friend, all these things. And we're going to cut them off. Mm-hmm. And... What's interesting is Instagram then has to go into a growth lockdown to figure out how to grow without Facebook's help, which is pretty crazy with your parent company being Facebook. Right. Why? And then Kevin and Mike realize they are not in a position where they are the boss anymore. Mm -hmm. Kevin is not the CEO of Instagram, and and maybe over the last couple of years he just hasn't been, and Mm -hmm. Zuckerberg is the only one in charge. And Zuckerberg is really consolidating power at this point and trying to build a mega network. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like if they stay, they'd have any ability to make the changes they want to make.
2: And so they leave. And so he they came leave. back from maternity leave, paternity leave. Yes. He, he, went
3: leave. On, he went on paternity leave. He stayed for longer than was expected, but he was really... Doing a lot of meeting with mentors, trying to understand what his options were. At the beginning of the year, you know, when Chris Cox, uh, who's the chief product officer of Facebook, becomes Instagram's boss, at first uh, the founders are a little concerned because Chris Cox is one of the guys who's on this cannibalization train, trying to mm-hmm. figure out. But once he becomes Instagram's boss, Instagram's on his team, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I'm going to do this. Going to be my top priority this year to mm-hmm. retain you." And Mike mm-hmm. and Kevin's like that's great as long as you can promise us that we will have independence. That if these mm-hmm. things are coming down the pike, that we'll know about them. We'll have a conversation about them. After he goes on paternity leave, he realizes none of those things have mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. and that he's being set up to fail. And so then it gets back. He like gets back day, right? in, it gets back right the same day he's back. Everyone in the room is is you know excited to see them. Um, it's been a really stressful time because they've had to figure out how to grow without Facebook. And they say they're leaving.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was quite a something. You know, I had had a, a coffee with him and he never said anything, but I left the meeting and I think I said to someone, he's leaving. I can tell. He just couldn't, like, the, the, it was astonishing that something so successful was being attacked so much, and the only analogy I can make is when we were at the Journal, uh, when we did really well with all things D, I, we got so much flack, and it was sort of like we're we're growing. Like, what do you do? And I remember thinking, oh, it's jealousy, or I don't. We don't ever knew, but it was really that feeling, and that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons. Left. But so they leave, and then everything changes. They put very. I don't mean to insult these Facebook executives, but it's very culty there. They're very Mark-centric. They're very, like— The whole executive team at Instagram now is former Facebook. Former Facebook people, but they're also Mark acolytes, really. And Mark could Mark hangs the moon for these people. And I, I find they're often very uh, twitchy around any uh, any criticism or anything like that. But everything Mark says is right, and these are the people that are put in charge. Very competent people, by the way, smart people, but not the same kind of uh, sort of spirited entrepreneurs. That and you if you like. look— Look at your
3: Instagram, mm-hmm.
2: you're getting a lot more notifications. Yep. You're getting a lot more recommendations. Mm-hmm.
3: You're getting a lot more, you know, growth hacking type stuff, and you're getting a lot more ads. Right. And so it's it's really growing more in Facebook's image now. Is
2: that a good thing?
3: Well, I think it's it's something that people need to understand, because when you have seen what's happened to Facebook, then you have to think that something will will come down the line for Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Instagram is becoming more like Facebook, but as Facebook's not even their first or second priority, but eventually they get attention to their problems mm-hmm. with maybe less resources, that's not good for society. As, as more of our culture is tied to Instagram, as more of our human behavior is tied to Instagram, as it's really affecting the way the world works, to have it be an afterthought right. in terms of the the integrity issues, in terms of um, thinking about its impact on the world. Uh, when you hear these executives talk about these problems, the thing they say the most is like, well, we would love to fix that. We just don't have the resources. Right. Why the is thing. it that Instagram doesn't have the resources? Facebook's profit margins are huge. Yes. Facebook's revenues huge. Instagram, I just had this scoop, had about $20 billion in
2: 2019 yeah, revenue. and they have the revenues. They have... You know, I use the expression, they're so poor all they have is money. Um, they don't have an ability to understand that. I think everything is oriented towards growth and profit, and that's why. So so they also added Facebook by Instagram, which I think is the single stupidest marketing move I've ever seen. It's, you know, it's like New Coke. I'm like, what? And I, actually, again, all my kids' friends were like, whoa, we don't whoa. like the word Facebook. Because they hate Facebook. They love Instagram. But now my son's like I'm thinking of not using it just cuz it says it. And right. I was like why and he goes I don't want to be on Facebook. It was really interesting. It was a fascinating branding, but he loved he did love Instagram and he uses it. He still uses it actually.
3: And by the way, Facebook thinks that that branding is going to work the opposite way. No. That because you love Instagram and you see Instagram by Facebook, no. you're going to have one fuzzy opinions but about Facebook. It is growing. It is growing. I, I mean the other thing is, we haven't had a user number update since twenty eighteen. Oh, interesting. And there's a reason for that. All right. So it's still being widely used by, especially young. people. It's still people. being widely used, and young people. But Facebook
2: like doesn't it. want your attention to be on Instagram success as much as Facebook success. Facebook so, success. So what does that mean for the for for what it happens? Because one of the things you talk about in the book is the influence, and we ta- you and I talked about this when you started the book. Talk about that influence. So Instagram
3: has really intentionally built up the influence that it has on Mm -hmm. society. I talked a little bit earlier about the fact that Instagram runs an account that has more than 300 million followers. Mm -hmm. That really sets the tone for what people share on Instagram and who becomes famous. And there's some really funny stories that I I learned. For example, there's this owner of a funny-looking dog named Tuna, Mm -hmm. and At one day in 2013, there's this Instagram employee. His name is Dan Toffey. He runs a a feature called the Weekly Fluff. Mm -hmm. And without this woman's warning, he just posts a picture of her dog on the Instagram Tumblr and on the Instagram account. And immediately the dog goes viral. This woman's life is completely upended. And and she would say a, a very positive way. She gets to quit her job and spend all her time traveling around the country doing tour stops for her Mm -hmm. weird-looking Chihuahua-Dashan mix. Yeah. And so Instagram, I think what we don't realize when we think about Instagram's impact on our culture is how directly the company has shaped that impact. Right. And the most interesting character... In this part of the story is Charles Porch, Mm -hmm. who is the head of partnerships at Instagram. And he's just the ultimate behind-the-scenes guy. He's taking celebrity calls, trying to figure out what they would like changed in the product, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out if they're having any issues posting, trying to get the big-name celebrities that aren't on Instagram yet to start using it, like, you know, the cast of Friends joining in the last few years— All of those people are in constant conversation with the Instagram partnerships team, and specifically Porch, who really started this all. And and by the way, he tried to build this at Facebook for years Mm -hmm. with Randy Zuckerberg before— Yeah, Randy (laughs) Yeah, you remember? Yeah. Uh, Randy, who is Mark's older sister, um, who never got a lot of respect for this kind of— She did not. For this kind of, uh, you know— Publicity, celebrity, celebrity yeah. kind yeah. of work. Because when you've, you're Facebook and you're looking at this, you're thinking, why would we ever talk to one user? That we're all about scale. We want to talk to million. We want to serve millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people at a time with right. a, with any product change. Going to directly to Chris Jenner or um, you know Channing Tatum or what, and saying, here's how you should be using
2: Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a Twitter like model. Twitter. It's a Twitter like model exactly. So so one of the things that uh, that I find interesting with this idea is we had just had Andrew Ross Sorkin on a, on our Pivot show and he talked about how he thought in, everyone's going to be living within Instagram. It's going to be it for Facebook. That's no one's going to use Facebook or they will, but it will it will not be the place that the real action happens and where the real advertisers want to be. Um, but it's sort of a utility the way Mark had originally. Conceived of, of Facebook uh, versus Instagram, which is a place to be, which is the club, I guess. Um, and he said you could do commerce on it, you'll be doing watching, you'll be doing. Do you see that? I mean, with. And, and influencers are going to be there and nowhere else.
3: Well, it really depends on what Facebook does with Instagram's mm-hmm. power now, it's their thing to ruin. Mm-hmm. But what you do see when you look around the world, whether or not you use Instagram, you can see its effect on our world. You go to a restaurant, you see, you have this open kitchen where you can see people cooking, you have it's the the, yeah. the better lighting, Um, you have people who are designing food. For you to mm-hmm. be photographed, and it almost matters more what it looks like than how it tastes. Mm-hmm. You have people who are planning their weddings around Instagram, their travel around Instagram, and I, the younger generation, uh, which you might know from your from your sons, it is so integrated with how they go about their
2: their lives and how they see them their own relevance. Well, the performative stuff is on the Instagram. performative stuff is on yeah. Instagram. They communicate and live their lives on Snapchat. Right, still, the they have on not Snapchat, been able to kill but the, Snapchat. The personal branding is on Instagram and yes, everyone performative.
3: everyone growing up today is so aware of what their personal brand
2: is and how they're curating well, that. I think it's this is my girlfriend, this is my life, this is my this. And exactly. then they absolutely not an ounce of communication is done on it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's performative, which I think is interesting, which is fine to have two different places to do that. But I've talked
3: to to psychiatrists in Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley who say that Stanford students are anxious about having an interesting enough Instagram because if they don't have an interesting enough Instagram, they're not going to be able to get... Good dates. They're not going to be able to get into the fraternities they need to get into in order to do the network they need to do right. in order to get a good job after college. Um, or, or I'll you know talk to a young woman in LA mm-hmm. who's too young to drink, but her Instagram following gets her into all the good clubs. So it's really become more structural yes. now yeah. than. You might think if you if you're not immersed in this culture, right?
2: Absolutely, I think the addiction problems, the feelings of not just the addiction, but the feelings of the depression. I think it's linked directly. It's the ultimate
3: benchmarking tool. If you're the kind of person who wants to compare yourself to others, your personal mm-hmm. worth, your relevance to others, it's it's going to let you do that. Oh, and I, and the I problem the problem is, first of all, the people who win, some of them cheat their way to the top with mm-hmm. fakeness and purchase comments and and FaceTune and all these tools that they have now and other people are looking at at that
2: success and comparing themselves to it and not yeah. knowing what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah interesting my fourteen year old wouldn't post for a did not have any pictures on there because he couldn't find the right one. I thought, what is—just put something up, have fun. But having fun was not part of it. It was really no, interesting. It has to be polished. It, it has to really be— It was really interesting. I looked terrible. this—I was like, you're a very handsome, tall, beautiful man. Like, don't worry about it. Like, he's 14. But, you know, it, it was really interesting that he wouldn't do it. And I, uh, you know, I have to ask him every time. But now, of course, because I'm a Sharon. you post. I'm a Sharon, so I can't be a Sharon. Um, he's giving me lectures about. I just had a baby. No, you're being a Sharon. This is what you can't do. And I was like, okay, fair point. But what, what, what's interesting is, is that it's not a, none of it's about fun. None of it's about enjoyment. Which is, you it's know.
3: about showing other people that yeah, you're which is fun.
2: not good. Which I think is ultimately not good, even though it's totally entertaining to look at. Um, so, last question: What happens P- uh, TikTok? Hello, TikTok. TikTok's really a great fun product, even if it's run by the Chinese and they're just spying on you. But I think Facebook is anyway. It's a
3: direct reaction It's the first one. A direct reaction to the amount of pressure there is on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And Instagram tried to solve this pressure by introducing stories, by the way. But stories have also become part of personal branding. Right. And even though people are posting more often now than they do in the feed, um, helping increase those user numbers, right? Mm -hmm. TikTok is still a place where people go to be more raw and So and do you think creative. that's the
2: threat to, to it, TikTok? Or something like, it's the first one where it's actually enjoyable. I just was noticing a lot of celebrities are all on TikTok now, like JLo's doing the JLo challenge for her dance thing, which is delightful on TikTok. I don't see that happening on Instagram as much. What do they do to battle that, if they can?
3: Well, what's happening right now is Instagram is kind of leaning in to the commercialization of of the product, mm-hmm. which may be very risky, right? You're talking about like people don't go on Instagram to be real and fun and, and mm-hmm. natural. Instagram, by the way, is advising brands and influencers to be more vulnerable and natural mm-hmm. because that gets better engagement. Mm-hmm. It's all about the numbers. But what we're seeing happen is Instagram is leaning in to that branding aspect of Instagram. And, and brands are becoming people. People are becoming brands. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems to have a product line linked to their Instagram presence. Mm-hmm. And it's turning into a mall. Mm-hmm. And That's when, a really good point. When I talk to early Instagram employees, this is like their biggest fear is right. that Instagram will turn into a mall. Mm-hmm. When I talk to current Instagram employees, they're like, Instagram is the new mall. Like, you used to go to the mall <laughs> and hang out with your friend. And, and you know, you don't have to buy anything, but you go and you hang out and you see the cool shops. And, like, you know, sometimes you go to the movies and stuff. Like, what if you could do that on Instagram? Oh, God. And so that evolution, I think, is, like, you know the what most fascinating You know what it about you is
2: you listen to them and go, oh, interesting. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you're awful, terrible people, and you need to stop immediately. And, you know, it's so funny that that's, that, that's, the, that's the thing, the old Instagram employees— we're trying to go for a quality of product, fun experience, and the new ones are just like, let's can we sell you something can we can we make you feel bad and can we sell you something and keep you pulled in? By weird marketing mean, you know, and just buy into
3: the idea that people now are expected to have relationships with brands, right, right. And that brands are are do you have connected any relationship to with brands? Do you have any? I uh, have a pretty, pretty uh, interesting relationship with Facebook
2: right now, right. That's true. That's <laughs> true. I have no relationship with brands. I, actually, I do. I like certain brands. I I, I think because the, the brands I like represent a product that's great, and that's what's lost in the whole the whole equation. So what's going to happen? I mean, I, I you know, there's all the controversy around TikTok and China, but the fact that is a great product, and I think that's why it's successful. It's not successful because China's manipulating it. It's not successful. It's just a real—right now, it's a really good—that might change. Uh, another thing with Snapchat, I think the reason why I could use it, it's a really good product. I think they've shot themselves in the foot over and over again, but you know what? It's a really People's good product, it. and he has an exquisite taste in products, uh, Evan Spiegel. Um, same thing with Kevin. He had exquisite taste in products um, and, and had a good sense of the pulse of what people wanted without punching down at people. So what is going to happen? Give well, your predictions,
1: Sarah.
3: Well, we have to make sure that, I mean, as this transition happens, that Instagram doesn't just become brands shouting at brands to buy. Well, the, we have to make sure, well, who has to make Instagram sure? Well, Instagram has to make sure. Right. That yeah. that's, that's not what it ends up turning into because that's, a, that's a, there's a lot of engagement. There's a lot of—and by the way, the way that brands are interacting with people is by promising them fame. Mm-hmm. Like, you see a lot of brands like Huda Beauty, Glossier— Saying if you f- use our product, we might feature you. Right, and people might get featured. Then they get the followers. Then they, you know, build up their own makeup business. Mm-hmm. Kids want to grow up to be influencers. It seems like it seems like the one career that you can have that doesn't require any sort of gatekeepers, any sort of uh, traditional, uh, you know, business rules. And some people are getting really successful with it. But yeah, it could be. It could. What do could you all fizzle. If you had to look, what do they have to do to? Is that a good way to go? So what I predict is that there's going to be a reckoning for Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that they are not going to be prepared for it because they're not thinking about what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about uh, growth. They're thinking about integrating with Facebook right now. A lot of the new stuff has been paused as everyone on the team figures out how to work with the Facebook guys and and rebuild Instagram Direct to be under the Messenger team and be encrypted and like all of these goals that are not really about
2: nothing to do with the product.
3: The product. Mm-hmm. The only thing that they're really doing that's with regards to the product is the shopping stuff. Right. And so, I think, I mean, I think that's that's risky.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, I think that what I hope happens is this book starts a conversation. Because when we look at the way Instagram has has been talked about in the media— we talk about what people are doing there. Like, such and such yes, celebrity so. claps back at, at right, so-and-so. Yeah. You know, this person is, is uh, you know, use, doing this Instagram launch for the new product. This person announced their new baby or whatever. It's like the the source of all the entertainment news now. We don't really talk about the company right. and their role in turning Instagram into what it is today. Right. And it is not an uh, inevitable conclusion mm-hmm. that Instagram would be... As big as it is today, it's it's the product of all of these internal decisions about how to shape it so that we care about it, right? And so I hope w- what people start to understand after they read this is like there is a lot of a lot of decision making that affects you and your life and how you perceive yourself and how you perceive other people and how you're sold to and how companies decide what products to put on the market, mm-hmm. and um, that you know when people understand that, that they can make healthier decisions about how they use the product.
2: Right, right. And also make a product that's good. I mean, I think one of the things that gets lost in, I think good products always win in the end. And I think you can foist a shitty product on people that's just fine for a long, I think of Microsoft, I think of others, which is, the minute it's now it's successful is because their product is good. Like, their cloud product is good. People like it. It's not just a... You know, someone used to say you didn't get fired for buying Microsoft. And I think that's the very worst thing you can say about a product. Like, it's just good enough. And I think that's the problem. And when you see things like TikTok or whatever else is coming um, and you see something that's delightful, you know the difference. You know you know what is good and what is not good. Um, and they may mess it up, too, in the same way. So is there anything out there, last question, in social media in the, in, that's a competitor that's that besides TikTok? Is there anything that you see that you're like, that's pretty cool or what's ch- catching on? I
3: think the competitor to Instagram is people's fatigue mm-hmm. with performing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's maybe possible that we'll see a backlash mm-hmm. to the idea that you always have to be on, that mm-hmm. you always have to be thinking about your metrics. Mm-hmm. The Facebookization of, of society, really. Like, Facebook is all about, you know, time spent, user growth, all these tools to measure success. Mm -hmm. And now we all have those tools in our own lives. Well, look where they led Facebook. Mm -hmm. Should we really be buying into it in that that amount of, with that amount of fervor and and importance?
2: All right. That's a really smart thing to end. Sarah, this is going to be, this is great. I think I recommend you all read it. Um, I really appreciate all your reporting. You do a great job. What's your next book on? What's your next? (laughs) Too soon to say. All right. Okay, good. Well, this is a great book. Please read it. It's called No Filter the inside story of Instagram. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Sarah, where can people find you and the book online?
3: At Sarah Fryer on Twitter and Instagram and
2: anywhere you buy your books. All right, it's F-R-I-E-R. Um, If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search them in your podcasting app of choice or tap the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.